0: Welcome to the yarn barn.
1: Hey, we are here with Nick cohen again uh we well for, again for us because last time the internet dropped out and we lost our recording but uh, for you guys listening it's the first time so that's a that's a big plus and uh and nick was gracious enough uh to count us in to this episode which is really cool uh thanks for joining us so welcome uh, to, welcome to the yarn barn nick welcome thank you sir Good to have you back and, uh, and, and really good to be able to have a conversation again um, because although everyone listening didn't get to hear uh, your story last time, I got to hear a good, uh, a good chunk of it, which I've only heard sort of snippets of over the last uh, few years. That we've been connecting so it was really good so i'm excited to be able to hear some of that again and uh and maybe some some different parts or uh you know whatever we whatever we uncover on this particular conversation i'm really excited to have that uh,
0: happen well i'm i i'm an open book so don't stress um ask me anything good um and any
1: illustrators i just thought you know nick's an open book uh and we could say that in a nutshell Um, Nick's an open book so if any illustrators are out there that want to create a picture of Nick in a nutshell as an open book uh, send it through Um, (laughs) yeah this is going to be good Um, Nick why don't you start off and just let us know a little bit about you where you are where you are and uh, and um, yeah we'll start from there
0: well um, I'm Hobart based currently uh, but born in Melbourne. Uh, Dad decided that uh, he'd go for a career change and join the military and so I became a Navy brat. Um, That only lasted probably uh, four years, I think. Um, My uh, mum and dad split, so we ended up in this small town called Daniloquin, uh, which is... Famous for sporting people and uh, the biggest ute muster in Australia. The Denny ute uh, muster. Yeah, yeah. So generally from that sort of demographic, you can generally realise that the the IQ of the town is pretty low. Um, we had <laughs> the highest violent crime rate per capita in all of New South Wales for a while. So, yeah, go Denny. <laughs> Um shout
1: out to yeah. anyone who's listening from Denny. Um we still yep. still appreciate you. <laughs>
0: um anyway, I love the place so much that uh I couldn't wait to get out of there. So the the Na- uh the circus weren't taking clowns, so I joined the navy instead. Uh seems to be a bit of a family business. My my grandfather was a sailor. Uh he he was a driver. He ended up losing his arm in an accident he got hit by a tram or he got hit by something and uh, got, got his arm squashed between the car and a tram uh, so he lost Ooh. his right arm uh, he was uh, he was a, a keen uh, cabinet maker funny enough uh, despite the fact that he was um, despite the fact that uh, that wasn't his trade he was a very good woodworker um and funny enough even when he lost his arm he was a one-armed chippy which interesting is harder than you would think mm. so yeah still built a whole bunch of stuff and one arm and he was right-handed lost his right arm uh so to then learn how to do everything left-handed was um yeah no, he was a very impressive man so,
1: mm. uh, yeah, I, dig- I digress. Um, I was going to say, that it, I mean, it's it's quite the skill to celebrate something like that. That's, um, you know, the mindset to go through losing your arm in a traumatic event and then still go, no, I still want to do this. I still want to create things for people. Uh, that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. No, he was awesome. He made a lot of our wooden toys and stuff like that when we were kids. And, um, yeah, he was regularly building... Um, but he built cabinets for people and and that sort of thing he was uh uh the, there aren't too many people in my family that uh i I have like the utmost respect for but he shines above everyone easily one of my more he's not with us anymore but uh he was clearly one of my favorite humans yeah awesome, yeah great um thank you yeah, so, uh,
1: that's, that's good. I like to hear that uh it's nice to hear i mean as dads you know to be able to to look and see uh those people those those men in our lives who have created some uh really significant impact positively on our on our lives and and how we can look to them for guidance from time to time whether they're with us or not uh we can still look at them for for some guidance or at least uh where their legacy has been left with us so it's good I appreciate sharing it
0: yeah. No, he was a like he had his drawbacks. He he, chain smoked Camel cigarettes and uh, had the worst dandruff you'll ever see on a human. But uh, he was, as I said, everyone everyone has their uh, pros and cons, and uh, yeah, his pros well outweighed his uh, his cons. Mm. Yeah, awesome. So, um, yeah, so after. After leaving town, I I went and joined the military and uh, became a sailor and did that for seven years. Uh, I did some time over in the Solomon Islands when that was blowing up. Um, They were shooting each other and hacking each other up with machetes and stuff. That wasn't... um, We just sort of were there as a presence and there was some army people that came along with us that sort of did some... Stuff at night time that we don't talk about, but um, other than that, it was thirty days of sun and relaxation. Really, it was, wasn't um, wasn't much uh, stress on us for that trip. So just parked out in the
1: water, just off the coast, being a bit of a support network for for the army to do their thing, and then and you guys were just there as a that's just a hey, hello, we're here. Just
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, we did speak to a few of the locals uh, at one stage, and they said it was just it was just nice uh, having that presence off the uh, like just knowing we were there. Not, mm. not that we actually did anything, but uh, uh but it, but yeah, they thought it was it was very symbolic of us just being there and just showing uh, that that we that like there are other countries that actually cared. So mm. yeah, it was. Um uh, an interesting uh take on it, I guess, when we just sort of uh drank coffee and paint, painted missile launches.
1: Yeah, good. That's well It's important as well. Um and it's interesting. Uh you know, we've had uh we've had uh i think it's just showing the demographic inside the the dad's zone, the yarn barn is is uh, of sort of our age uh group is there was uh, well, there is a number of guys that are in the community that i know of that have um that were over in the solomons and probably around the same time as you've been there um you know so it's uh it is interesting so you know much respect to yourself and the other fellows that are in the yarn barn that have uh, served and solomons and everywhere because um, it's uh yeah i mean obviously for the locals there it's greatly appreciated having that presence there but also for for us who who haven't the guys that have, and girls who haven't served um you know big thanks because it's uh it's although in that particular circumstance it was 30 days of um you know coffee and and painting under the sun um it it was a significant presence that needed to be and uh, to be done and and you're there for a job and and we appreciate that for sure
0: yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that, and uh, yeah, uh, anyone that has served in the military knows that it's a it's definitely definitely a different way of life, and it's um yeah, it's it's a certainly a culture within a, its own culture. Um, the The ship that I served on was the HMAS Darwin, and uh, I lived in a mess of sixty six guys, so um the bunks were three high so you had a bottom middle or top bunk um and you had a curtain that you could pull back and that was your only privacy that you ever had when you were on the ship uh i mean you could go in and uh use the lavatory and close the door there That's, that's probably as uh as much privacy as you ever get so it can be um very confronting for some people mm. um, yeah 66 guys we had what was it four four toilets four sinks and three showers between 66 guys jeez morning that's
1: that's going to be yeah. interesting yeah I was going to say it's going to be interesting with all the coffee drinking in the morning um, <laughs> and I'm sure there's plenty of eggs and, uh, and interesting meals for dinner yeah uh, <laughs> that's so you get you well,
0: yeah i don't know i i remember uh i don't re- i don't remember the food fondly uh but i do remember when they had uh what like these frozen chicken kievs that you just buy out of the like the frozen supermarkets that was a highlight when they came out so that sort of gives you an idea of the standard of um mm-hmm. uh and that's not to say anything about the cooks they they had Great training and they were they were all very, very impressive at what they did, but uh, you, there's an old saying, you can't polish a turd. Um, and <laughs> what they had to work with, uh, the, the cuts of meat and all that sort of stuff, they did the best they could. And you can imagine trying to cook on a uh, stove that's uh, tilting backwards and forwards on a ship. Uh, mm. Yeah, I. Oh, I did. I didn't envy their job. Um, mm. They they never got a day off because everybody wants to eat. Um, so yeah, they 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 had the hardest job, I think, in the military. No,
1: I think it's it's. It, uh, I think chefs and, and cooks, uh, whether they're on a boat for the military or whether they're uh, at a local pub or restaurant, you know, it's a it's a tough gig, and um and they all seem to work extremely hard. Um, yeah there's uh andy lucas who's in our in our community there is uh running a, a a top-notch job up in uh brisbane um he's uh yeah it's uh he's he's always mentioning how much of a, a challenge it is and working 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 non-stop so and then you know you get those people that come in and go oh my food's just a little bit colder <laughs> than i would expect and, you know it's just oh just leave me alone i've been doing this Every- for 20
0: hours today <laughs> Everyone everyone's a critic
1: Everyone's a critic when it comes to food. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you you did some uh, you you did the that deployment. uh, You spent some time in the in the navy. um, You know, and then uh, so what uh, what what was sort of next step for for Nick? Uh,
0: Well, I think I knew my military career was coming to an end uh, when I was up in sitting off the coast of Iraq, and uh, I got charged with. Uh, not wearing hearing protection while I was washing dishes. Uh, when I got charged with that and found guilty, uh, to which I got five days restriction of privileges, uh, so that Iraq trip was seven months, um, wow. The the whole seven months that we were up there, we got 16 days where we weren't actually out on the water doing our job. Uh, four of those sixteen days, you had to stay back, and and uh, we donned all this Kevlar vests and heavy Kevlar helmets and all that sort of stuff, and we walked around with these guns that had no bullets in them. That's interesting. Concept. Yep. So uh, we, the idea was to look like we were a hard target. So if we looked like we were walking around with weapons and things that could kill people. Um, I don't know if you remember, the USS Cole got uh, a ship run into it full of explosives and they blew it to high heaven in, uh, in Yemen. And the idea was that uh, if someone tried to do that where we were, they'd pick one of the American ships because they had no people on them walking around with weapons. But in reality, we'd sit there and say stop or we'll say stop again because that's basically what we could do. We had empty yeah, weapons right. that we were walking around with. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, so, 16 days whittled down to 12, and then I lost four of them because of this tra- this trumped up charge by some dipshit officer that, um, yeah, didn't like me. So yeah. Not wearing. So I knew
1: phones, my. So not wearing earplugs while you, washing the washing dishes. dishes. Yeah. On a boat. Out on the outskirts of Iraq.
0: Yeah, sitting off the coast of Iraq. <laughs> um, Sounds like he didn't have much to do that day. <laughs> no, nah, he was he, he wasn't a he wasn't a good guy. Um, mm. yeah, shout out to Commander Wise dickhead. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my I knew that the military wasn't for me. Uh in saying that I was probably a bit immature for the military. Um I joined straight out of school at eighteen and even by twenty five I probably was only just starting to maybe mature enough that the, that I was starting to sort of be a bit more of an adult rather than a petulant child, uh, for, for lack of a better word. But um, 2005 rolled around. I, um, I just wanted some time ashore to have a normal life uh, where I went home most nights. Uh, instead of being away for months and months on end and the, I think I got February to June Uh, and then they said, well, we're going to send you back to Iraq for another seven months and I'm like, hell no, that is not happening. So I got out. Um, Had no plans. Uh, Yeah, the week before I was due to get out, I thought I'd better start looking for a job. So... Put the feelers out and got a got a job doing home security, um, fixing like alarm systems in people's houses. Um,
1: what was that? Yeah. What was that first sort of um, that first couple of weeks or month where you you weren't in the military anymore, civilian? You know, after such a long time doing deployments, you know what. The structure and all that that comes with the military what was that like that sort of first couple of weeks out of uh, out of that
0: uh it was i still had a few mates but most of my mates were in perth and i got out when i was in melbourne uh i actually went back to melbourne to support a friend who had cancer um she had three kids uh her husband was a deadbeat and she wasn't really sort of getting the help that she needed and she wasn't going to her medical appointments that she was supposed to because she didn't have the support. So I asked to go to Melbourne, got there and, um, yeah, so she was basically my only friend really in that sort of Melbourne sort of area at the time. Um, And, yeah, as soon as she got through cancer, her and her husband packed up and Moved into state. So I, it was, it was pretty lonely to be honest. Um, but I fell in with all the, all the guys at the new company that I was at. Uh, ended up moving in with one of them, uh, as a, just renting a room off him. Uh, so, but it was, yeah, it was, it was very, different taking your your military work ethic and that sort of thing into a into a civilian workplace where you um like health and safety was just non-existent in the military they they like the amount of hazards and stuff like that like (laughs) it's a it'd be a, a a safety Inspector's nightmare to go onto one of these ships and and just walk around and he he'd have a heart attack. But
1: mm-hmm. all, then all, to have, all the people cleaning dishes without earplugs in for a start. I know, I know, really,
0: that's just unforgivable. <laughs> the nerve! I know. Um, but then you sort of, I sort of trod on a few people's toes because I started uh, trying to make things better, and and by doing that. Uh, I inadvertently stopped one of the guys from stealing a whole bunch of stuff from the company and doing sort of cash jobs on the weekend um, yeah I didn't I didn't realize by sort of documenting things and and, and bringing procedures into place that uh, I was actually screwing someone over uh, well it, he was kind of stealing anyway so I wasn't exactly sort of screwing him over but um, the whole dynamic was just so crazy to me that uh, I just didn't understand it. So yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's,
1: that's a yeah, it's a significant transition for sure. And then you know, obviously, you know, trying to uh, hang out and get to know people who uh, may not have experienced what you've experienced, you know, it's, that adds a whole other dynamic, like you said. And um, yeah, so that's 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 a big a big culture shift for sure.
0: Uh, well, I only did that for about six months. Um, yeah, the guy that I inadvertently stopped his little weekend enterprises, um, he ended up uh, putting a complaint in against me, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, I got a uh, I got put on an extra six months of probation because of it, and so I went, well, fuck this. Um you're you're a bunch of knobheads um so i went uh applied for another job had another job within a week uh this time i was stripping elevated work platforms completely down and and um yeah doing the full sort of 10 15 year rebuilds and then putting it back together again Mm. uh this was the most unsafe workplace i've ever ever worked in um and that includes the military at war uh um, yeah, right. there was four of us on the floor and every single one of us had a major accident while we were there. And I was only there for like nine months. Wow. Um, there was one guy that he was the messy guy. He fell off the back of a truck because he left his battery in the middle of the tray, tripped over it, fell off and broke his hip. Um, another guy, uh, we were throwing bottle caps at him cause we'd finished our trucks and um so we were having a few beers on a friday afternoon uh while he was just finishing the last thing he i think all he had to do was put like one little pin into a cylinder um at the bottom of his sort of turret and he was done but he's like no nah, no nah, i'll do it on monday we're like no no do it now we'll stop throwing bottle caps just finish it now because you won't finish it on like you'll forget you haven't finished it he's like no no i'll be fine i'll be fine Sure enough, on Monday, he forgot to put that pin in. Took it outside, started test running it. Because there was no QA, like no one checked anyone else's work, it was just mm. away way you went. He's got this thing fully up in the air. Luckily he was wearing a harness and all of a sudden the cylinder let go because uh, it wasn't attached. And the whole thing came down, crushed the truck, uh, almost flipped the whole thing, threw him out. He was dangling from the, from the bucket. Uh, yeah, he was very, very, very lucky. Wow. Um, <laughs> the another guy's
1: like that around the place, you know. It, it makes you wonder.
0: Well, I, well, I just figured it was part of the course. I'd never, like, I didn't know about health and safety. I didn't know, well, I didn't know about work safe. I didn't know anything. Um, I was, I was 25. I, I just knew that if there was a problem you went to the boss and that was that was it i didn't understand that if there was a like a serious accident they should have reported to work safe clearly they Mm. they weren't doing that but um Mm -hmm. uh the third guy he was uh he was the tool chucker of the workshop so he got frustrated and started chucking spanners anyway um the big knuckle pins from the from the booms you'd take them out they'd be a bit corroded so you'd put them in a lathe and you just get some sandpaper and just uh sort of let it sand itself down to take all the corrosion out of it. And then you'd test them, make sure they were still thick enough uh to meet tolerances and if they were good then you'd throw them back in. Anyway, this guy wrapped the sandpaper around his thumb and he was holding it and it, bit on, is going. A, yeah, it, it bit on a bit of um uh, bit on a bit of uh like a burr or something and it degloved his whole thumb. So oh, no yeah so he was uh he was off for ages um he had microsurgery and all that sort of stuff to get it reattached and i don't think it ever worked again um but even after all this i sort of i was still deluded into thinking well i'm not a dumb fuck. of pardon sorry you can edit that one out i'm not <laughs> it's
1: all good no, no, i don't think we can <laughs> i'm not i'm
0: not stupid enough to to make any of these mistakes um and then my mistake happened uh so the first thing you always do is take the truck battery out of the machine and give it to the storeman and he puts it on trickle charge while you're working on it and then he hands it back at the end well these are wet cell batteries and if you don't take the caps off when they charge them they're basically uh he gives it back to you without like if he's charged it with the cap still on it ends up being a bomb so as soon as i attach the leads and the spark Kaboom! I blew up my face. Um, wow! It was the last thing I had to do on my truck, so um, so I wasn't wearing eye protection, so I had this battery blow up my face like a wet cell acid battery blow up my face. There was no safety showers, so they dragged me in and threw me in the urinal and kept flushing the urinal on me to wash my wash the bat, the battery acid off me, and then improvising, yeah, yeah, nice and uh, nice and uh, uh, clean as well, I imagine. <laughs> um, and then they didn't even take me to the hospital; they took me to uh, some sort of optometrist or something. Uh, where they had three bits of plastic taken out of my eyes. Uh, they clamped my head into this thing and clamped my eyes open. And they had this needle that basically he wound into my eye and then sucked the plastic out of my eye. Oh. Um, so, yeah, as careful as I thought. While you were I was. watching it. Yeah, yeah oh, well, clearly you can't not watch it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, that's intense. You must be yeah. stressing.
0: Yeah, so that was um, yeah, that was the end of that career. Uh, I I pretty much pulled the pin after that. Um, did a did a couple other sort of little jobs here and there, but um, that was when a mate, old navy mate, told me that there was a fly-in-fly-out job in Perth. Uh, so, and I'd been partying pretty hard the last two years, uh, drinking and and. Snorting any possible thing I could put in my body. Um, so I wanted to get away from that party lifestyle, and so Perth seemed like a great idea. Um, so yeah, I got a got a job doing fly-in, fly-out work. Um, went over to Perth uh, for a little bit of training before I went offshore. Uh, met up with a mate. Another Navy mate, different Navy mate. Um, and we started drinking at about 10 a.m. in the morning. Um, ended up at the casino after probably at 6 p.m. at some stage. And he met a friend of his uh, that he used to go to school with. Uh, so he started chatting with her. So I ch- started chatting with her friend. Uh, that friend... Ended up becoming my wife. Uh, so yeah, that was like a, a week or two after moving, or well, going over there. Literally just to work, I was still planning on flying back to Melbourne. Um, yeah. So, but the and then, I then you have actual you. Yeah, and then it, and that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> really. well, sort of.
1: You said it. We also can't record. I oh, edit that out. Sorry.
0: <laughs> she, um, well, funny, funny enough, and I have actually told her this. I actually don't remember meeting her. I was that drunk, that blackout drunk, that I actually don't remember the first night meeting her. I don't remember. I don't remember dancing with her. Uh, apparently, I broke the sprinkler out a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. She apparently overheated. Was probably what older on you. Well, she's only human. <laughs> um, apparently she got a like a she overheated and got a blood nose on the dance floor, and I thought I'd like hit her with the sprinkler or something, and I was so I was freaking out, thinking <laughs> like we're gonna get kicked out or uh, the bouncers are gonna come and. Uh, I don't remember this either, but uh, this is all did my, you, my mate I told me. I have to
1: ask, did you help her with cleaning it up? Did you take her to the urinal and say, this has worked before for me. <laughs> I just flushed the urinal <laughs> wash the blood uh, away. Well,
0: her, her friend helped her. Uh, okay, I, cool. I a, I, it, it's not a good look to go into the ladies' toilets uh, yeah, and, as and, a guy. And flush someone's
1: head in the toilet, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so while they were they were sort of... Patching her or stopping the bleed, I was like freaking out thinking we were going to get tossed out or uh, that I'd ruined everything uh, because I'd... I'd... He's like, no, no, she's just overheated. But I was adamant that I'd whacked her or something. I I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, met up with her the next day. Uh, Not 100% sure what she looked like, what she... who she was, anything, uh, because literally I don't remember. Um, So I ended up... She invited me to a pub, which was the last place that I wanted to be after being as seedy as I was the the following day. Um, I actually turned up an hour early so that I could scope out the door and watch for these for any single women walking in, and so that I could pretend that I actually knew what she looked like. Uh, there was only one false start where she looked at me like I'm a weirdo because I called her Helen, and um, and yeah, so that was um we rocked up and and you guys had a chat and yep had a had a beer um went for a walk and uh then we just kept in contact while i was away um and yeah it was like the fairy tale it was uh, yeah it was all good no problems um the, the stuff that you read about in fairy tales and uh, we got married three years after that and had our first son, well, our only son, Isaac, uh, had him after five years together and that's when things sort of turned a bit pear-shaped. Uh, for any of the new dads out there, uh, keep an eye on your wives because postnatal depression is shit. <laughs> Uh, it happens a lot. It happens a lot more than you would think. And if it goes undiagnosed, uh, it, it will kill your relationship. Uh, mm. It hurt us pretty bad. Um, she went undiagnosed for about five years. And uh, along that time, we 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 did split for a little bit, uh, which was... Difficult, but um, we've sort of started making it work again, and uh, we still got a long road to go. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, that was that was probably the one thing that's really sort of hurt us is that postnatal depression.
1: Mm. And so you guys were in Tassie at this point?
0: No, we were in Perth still. Um, still in Perth at we that point. So we had Isaac uh, in Perth. Uh, funny enough, Isaac is at school down here in Hobart. He has a kid in his class that was born in the same hospital in Perth, uh, St John of God, Subiago, uh, as Isaac, a month apart, and they're now they're both going to school in Hobart together.
1: Isn't that funny? Hmm.
0: It's a, it's a small world. It is. But, yeah, um, yeah so... Um, so five, yeah, so
1: five years, um, undiagnosed is that is, is that, um, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, we go through, we go through challenges and we, we think, oh, we can just, we can push through or we can, it'll, it'll pass and, and, and it just keeps getting worse and worse or, uh, consistent, more consistent and, um, and that stress and overwhelm and all the things or whatever is, is happening depending on, on the individual scenarios, but, was that um, was that something that um, Helen was feeling as well? Um, you know, during the conversations that you had, was it uh, just a "oh, this should pass, this should pass," and it just it kept going, or was it a lack of services, or what was what was the what was the struggle there?
0: I think I picked it straight away. Um, I just wasn't forceful enough to to get her to push. Uh, to, to go and see someone. Uh, she just thought she was a bit sad. And, um, yeah, it got pretty scary with me working away because uh, I, I was still uh, working on all platforms um, at the time. So I was working away three weeks at a time. And and it went from, as I said, the fairy tale where we, we'd talk for a an hour every night on the phone, and and it wouldn't be enough to. How's your day, shit? How's Isaac? He's a little bastard, sort of thing all the time, and it, and it was, it was they were very short conversations, and it was very hard to get information out of her. It was very difficult, and it was just she was, in a dark place. She was, uh, she was sick. It was it wasn't her fault. I know it wasn't her fault. Um, but on the other hand, she also didn't go and get the help that. Uh, probably the one thing our relationship. Uh, like, we never, ever had fights. Like, the, there was never raised voices. There was never. Uh, there was never bickering. It was always just happy, happy families. And then even when she was sick with the depression and that sort of thing, we still didn't fight. We we both sort of avoided confrontation too much, and I think that was probably part of the problem as well, uh, is we, we just buried, for the sake of avoiding confrontation, we just buried feelings that we had that were valid, but we just didn't voice them because we didn't want the confrontation. Mm.
1: Yeah. And that's a, I think that that's so common and, you know, you mentioned confrontation, but, you know, it's also, you know, again, for, for the people our age in particular, it's an older, um, you know, it's hard to have those conversations and we're not knowing or growing up in, in that environment, not being, um, schooled on how to, uh, understand or see the signs or, you know, uh, oftentimes we see them when, when it's, it's, it's really far down the picture, um, you know, like all, um, you know, mental illness or, um, struggles with mental health, you know, catching it earlier is, is, is better because then you can have the opportunity to work through it, um, and have those conversations. But yeah, it is, it's hard, you know, that's, um, you know, it's hard to have that conversation if you don't know how to ask the questions and how to receive the information when it comes.
0: Yep. Um, the the irony is it was never actually formally diagnosed it was um it was only when uh helen went back to her rheumatologist uh she's got a few autoimmune issues uh but one of the a new medication that he gave her just happened to be an antidepressant which was all she needed and it snapped her out of it and uh, she said it was it was almost in shes uh, I'll just try to remember the exact words but she said it was almost instantaneous of um, like within a day or so of having this medication she just felt the cloud dissipate that was sitting on top of her and it was it was something that has caused so much angst in our relationship and that sort of thing for it to have been fixed so easily and i guess to to know down the track that that's all it needed we could have avoided so much uh so many problems and that sort of thing it was yeah, it was that was a difficult pill to swallow for me and um, something it took me a long time to to sort of get over and and uh and mentally deal with myself was how poorly I got treated for a long period of time, um, and it was something that could have been fixed so easily. It, it played on my mind a lot um, following that time, and and it's probably what led to our first separation. Um, so yeah, but that was that was down here in Tassie. Um, we moved down here for for her because she uh, I felt she needed more support from family and all that sort of stuff where um, uh, yeah because her mum and dad are down here she's got cousins and that sort of thing uh, it was was very isolating for me to start with uh, coming down here uh, I was I, I didn't actually know anyone uh, and yeah other than... I guess her parents. That were they were the only people that I did know. Um, mm. So yeah, it was a it was a very isolating experience. And Tassie's a very clicky place. It's it's a lot like a small town. Um, I imagine Caratah would be very similar. It's not um, a lot of people in Tassie. They've grown up together, um, and they already have those core friendships and and that sort of thing of people that they. So for people moving here, it's very difficult to meet new people and and sort of forge those friendships that mm. you. Um, so yeah, it's, um, that's that's something I found very very difficult here in in Hobart and uh, um, and part of what led me to to the Australian Dads Network.
1: Well, I was just about to say that there's um, so there's, you know, when you mentioned Karatha, it's it, it does seem very similar. Like for us here, it's um, it can be quite clicky, and a lot of regional towns are like this across the country, but it can be quite clicky. And for us in Karatha, it's more of a, um, you know, people adults because there's the kids are a different story here, but the adults are uh, clicky in a way that it's. Um, not wanting to get people so close in the circle because if they're so close in the circle, then it becomes, you know, that's more of a, um, a friendship or, uh, you know, a relationship that is strong. And then um, the risk of them leaving because the job has expired or, you know, they're going down to Perth because the kids are going to high school, or that kind of stuff. So there's always this fear of, I don't want to get too involved in a friendship because that could be taken away at some stage soon. So it's really hard to get in there unless you've got, you know, those simple things like, you know, the house or, you know, you you, you grew up here or that kind of thing. But um, for the kids, though, it's different. And, and this is interesting because for me, uh, you know, watching the kids at the school, that is so transient. There's a new kid that rocks up. I think it's a lot different to some like cities where, you know, people don't move around as much. It's... Um, a new kid comes to a school in Caratha, and they're just embraced like everybody else like they're just mates from the start because people are so the kids here are so used to new kids coming and, and kids leaving it's just it's so transient but they embrace it compared to us adults we sort of hold a bit of a mm, not sure you've just come to town i don't know who you are i don't want to play yet <laughs> it's interesting um i wish we could be like kids a lot more in certain circumstances like that for sure so yeah, you, but kids, um, kids can also be very brutal.
0: So uh, they can be.
1: Yeah. yeah, they can be. And um, yeah, I think that's that's it's probably as yes, they get a bit older and they start to understand that you know emotion uh, behind some of those things, and uh, that that starts to change for sure. So you mentioned um, so you're in Tassie, um, getting some support. From uh, or Helen's getting some support from family. You're feeling a little bit isolated, and and then you've uh, you've just stumbled across the dad's network.
0: Yeah, um, so one of the I guess one of the big changes in my life uh, happened about four years ago, and I started feeling. Uh, so for someone that I've always been the picture of health. Uh, I've never never got sick got maybe a cold every two years that'd be the extent of it and um, then I started feeling pain um, a lot of it was uh, and it was waking me up at nights uh, I was uh, it was a lot of uh, mostly in my hands and feet and that sort of thing um, so I went and started getting myself checked out. And I I went to a neurologist, rheumatologist. Uh, I've had my whole body MRI. I uh, I've had every blood test known to man, um, and nothing. Apparently, I'm uh, the pain's all in my head, and uh, and they have no idea what's wrong with me. Uh, so. In the end, the rheumatologist has diagnosed it as a condition called fibromyalgia, which is... Uh, ..probably the... ..it's kind of a cross between chronic fatigue and rheumatoid arthritis. You, you, you're you in a lot of pain all the time, but you're always tired. Um, but pain generally makes you tired anyway. Um, so... Once I got this diagnosis and part of it said um, heavily fatigued, my fly-in, fly-out career basically came to an end. Uh, they, I was sitting in a control room for 12 hours a day, seven days a week, for three weeks at a time, um, operating, a, operating an oil ship, uh, bringing oil up from the, from the wells uh, and then processing it to basically take the water and the gas out of it, uh, and then putting it down into the tanks. But yeah, clearly someone that's possibly going to fall asleep at the at the panel because twelve hours a day, seven days a week, three weeks is really hard work. Um, it's it's tiring. It's and it's it's really hard to to sleep in your off time. Um, it's just. It's just a really tough three weeks, especially without fatigue issues. Um, anyway, as soon as they saw that I had fatigue issues on my on my medical profile, they, they medically redundant me. Um, and uh, that was the end of my oil and gas career, uh, luckily. And that'll be an I told you so moment for the rest of my life. But um, we had income protection insurance, which... I may or may not have uh, said was a complete bloody waste of money, uh, and then I had to claim on it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a, yeah. So that's the I told you so moment that I'll live for or live with for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah. Um. But yeah, now so luckily I had that income protection insurance, and it now pays my bills, uh, and I'm a stay at home dad. <laughs> So that was, that was a big, big change for someone that's never not been employed. Uh, even when I changed jobs, I finished on a Friday and started on the Monday. I've never had a period of time where I was unemployed until now. Mm. So, um, yeah, they big haven't made trans- it.
1: There's that's, that's big transitions um, is the theme for Nick.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't do things by halves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no uh, so yeah so I've spent um, um, yeah so now I spend my time volunteering uh, I I have um, yeah a number of people that I've sort of helped uh, get clean and uh, transition from homelessness to back into sort of getting getting a job getting a place and all that sort of stuff um we i've had a i had a podcast of my own uh for a while um which i haven't got back into yet um but that was for a community radio station where uh they they read the news for for those that are sight impaired or or english isn't their strongest language or they can speak english but they can't read it so they they read the newspapers every day, and yeah, my my podcast was on history, uh, first moments in history. So, the first person to do whatever, um, and just cool stories from history uh, where it tickled my fancy. So I so I shared it on my on my podcast. So that was uh, that was another one I did. Um, I. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm the treasurer of the Australian Dads Network. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm in charge of the purse strings. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Managing uh, all the receipts that come through from various <laughs> places. Hashtag uh, Andy Weebry. He's got, he's, no, he doesn't have the dodgy ones.
0: <laughs> uh, what else? What else? So I've got a Ukrainian family that I brought over. Uh, when the war started over there, I was. Um, yeah, I found a a family that was trying to get out and, uh, basically paid most of their flights to get them over here and I've got them set up in my, uh, in my shed. It's a, it's a nice shed. It's not a, it's not a little tin garden shed. It's a, it's got its own kitchen and, um, yeah, their, their living room is now my, or was my pool room. Uh, -hmm. so they've got the pool table and all that sort of stuff um and i remember when yeah, you were going through
1: that process of setting that up there was uh you know it's a big um you know community effort too had a lot of donations and support from the community which is it's a really positive thing
0: yeah i had a guy in the community uh he owns a bike store so he provided bikes for them uh, i approached the school that my son goes to and they they uh it's one of the best schools in Ibar and it's not cheap to go to, but they they found funding to send both boys to that school. Uh, they found funding to buy her a car, uh, and uh, there was another the ladies that donated clothing, uh, both for for Anna and for the boys. Um, yeah, beds, all sorts of stuff. It was um, pictures just to put on the walls. Uh, yeah, it's all been. Uh, I've actually I had some taps installed in there by uh, a, a plumber that donated his time. Uh, he he put some washing machine taps in there. So I I fixed found an old washing machine and replaced the drain pump and put that in there for her. That sort of stuff. So What's yeah, it? electrician came and did a few bits and pieces to to finish things off. A plasterer came over and plastered a wall for me for free. So yeah, it was a it was. It was a big community project and and a lot of people helped out and uh yeah i tried to pay for anything that was going to stay in the shed that was essentially going to be mine once Anna left i tried to pay for it because i didn't feel that was uh that was really something that i should um, let other people foot the bill for but um yeah there's old carpet layer that uh, he came around and did some flooring for me and, uh, yeah, it was all, yeah, it was very overwhelming and it's not something I do well by asking for help. So Mm -hmm. to, to actually sort of put myself out there and, and ask for help and, and to have that sort of response was, was pretty, was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think, um, you know, a a nice segue into, into the dad's network and just pick your brain on on that for a sec, because you know that's that's asking for help is a big thing that you know we all struggle with, and uh, especially as blokes who you know stoic wanted to hold it all together, or at least look like we've got it all together, uh, but we've seemed to have um, seem to have broken that down inside the the dads and the yarn barn anyway, where it's. Um, everyone's comfortable with sharing whatever's going on, but also asking for help as a result of that, you know, um, from everything from, as we know, everything from, uh, the baby, you know, not sleeping to, you know, teenager stuff all the way through to, you know, um, you know, anything, um, quite heavy. And, and I think that's a big, a big plus. And so from your perspective, you know, as, as a member, but also as, uh, as the treasurer in the committee, uh, what's, you know, what drives you and, and what, what inspires you to continue being, uh, such an integral part of, of, of what we're doing in there.
0: I think the, the biggest thing for me is I've never been a part of a group that is just so supportive. Um, Normally there's the fun sort of piss takes that can be taken either way or anything like that. There's not even that. Like, I mean, there is for, for certain. So Chris Cassidy-Schroeder, for instance, he and I have spoken quite a bit. Uh, he he had some... Uh, he's got his own mental demons, as we all do. And uh, so I, I picked up the phone and I gave him a call, and that's how I... Really got to know him, Uh, and we've talked a bit since then, and that sort of thing. So we we know each other quite well. So we'll pull the piss out of each other because we know each other. But uh, there are, but there's not even that tongue in cheek. It's just so positive in the group, and anyone that's not sort of quickly gets whittled away anyway. to conversations like the Change the Date, which comes up every year and it's about to come up again and I think I did see it come up not too long ago, um, the fact that we can openly talk about such what can be divisive topics respectfully, and I think that's the that's the big key, there's just so much respect to each other that, and it, it's open-minded that... I must admit, I was uh, prior to last year's conversation. I was actually a firmly in the well. I don't want the date changed, but then I was educated because uh, I always thought that Australia Day was January twenty sixth, but it wasn't. Uh, I uh, I didn't believe that Australia Day was actually celebrating the arrival of the of the first fleet, but according to the Australia website, it is. And, well, I can understand why they're probably not too happy with the date being that, if that's what this celebration's all about. Uh, But I'm not here to politicise the podcast or anything, but the fact that I was so staunchly in one camp and then after just hearing the conversation, I don't even think I was part of it, I just read it, my 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 mind was open, and I, I've come to a totally different viewpoint um, simply because of the conversation that was had. And I think there's a lot of that. That um, there's there's the usual stuff of, of relationships and and uh, and kids and uh, and all the other stuff, but there's normally one big thing probably per month that that really blows up the the network and we and it's so good to just uh, be a part of a group that can can deal with big issues and and deal with it respectfully
1: 100% I agree uh, the integrity is high uh, and 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 it's to the point where as administrators moderators you know it's there's there's not much work to do as far as you know, managing the comments or the, you know, reporting of, of someone said something about something that they didn't like, there's, there's very little of that. Um, and in the early days there, there was, um, and uh, one person said it's, it's um, there's always gonna be weeds in the garden, and that's true. But, um, you know, they're very, very much few and far between. And, and I think it's because people who are just looking to stir shit, they come in and, and they look around and they realize that this is actually, they'll either go, oh, this is actually a really good group. And, and it is, it is um, full of integrity and really top blokes. And, um, and they'll stick around and they'll, they'll get involved and others will go, nah, I don't want to be a part of this so and then they leave themselves and that's cool you know find i've always said you know the australian Daz network is not always for everybody um but come in have a look and if it isn't then you know hopefully you find that group that's for you and that's cool um but yeah i i, I appreciate your comments because that's um yeah it's very much the way i feel too there's 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 plenty of really good conversation in there and it's always uh, it's always heartwarming to see guys um sharing the burden and supporting each other going through whatever it is they're going through but also just you know having a good laugh um you know there's there's plenty of dad jokes in there as you'd expect and and, and uh you know and and more and more as, as, as we go through this uh this year as well you know the um opportunities to be able to catch up in a local area i think is is really good there's, there's quite a number of you guys down in tassie at the moment so we need to try and get all you guys together and and uh and catch up and um and uh, and see where all that stuff goes as well. It's an exciting time twenty twenty three for the dads network.
0: Yep. Well, I've met a few of the guys uh, locally as well. So Brian, Trina, um, Alex Smith, Sam Payne. Um, yeah. So there's uh, Tom Van, Van-, Van- Depeek, I think yep. Van yep. Van Dutchy. Um, yeah.
1: It's a. It's it's one of those surnames I still haven't. Yeah. Read my my tongue around it exactly yet but
0: i'm uh i've I've put myself on the spot and now i don't know i did i don't know if i've pronounced it right and i'm second guessing myself uh but (laughs) yeah i've uh i've met up with a few of them and uh and had beers with them and that sort of thing and uh and they're all great guys and it's it's just something that through the dad's network as i said i did feel isolated before uh when i was down here and uh, and breaking into some of these groups was, was, or clicky groups, was difficult. And the dads network has really been a, 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 a I guess, a, a, a what's the, what am I trying to say? Um, it's been easy to meet people through the dads network. Mm-hmm.
1: And you don't even have to swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We can edit that out. Um, Yeah, I 100% agree with with what you're saying. And um, I was speaking to some people yesterday um, in Onslow, um, very much along a similar frame to what you're you're explaining there. Is you know it's you know when we can get onto onto a community online like we've got with the yarn barn, and then be able to you know slowly um, see the conversation, get involved. um, We slowly drop down that mask or that. that shield that is sort of in our, uh, holding us away from connection. Um, and, and once we do that, then we have the opportunity to open up and, and connect with guys, uh, at a local level when we do that, uh, after being inside the community, connecting with those guys online and then, uh, go face to face. It's, it's a lot more easier to, to get into that, um, that mode of just, Hey, it's just another mate. Now, uh, it's not a guy I need to sort of figure out or understand we're in the same community we we know what it's about and it's it makes that a hell of a lot easier to to break down that barrier and i think that's a that's a massive positive of what we're doing and uh and you know obviously there's also there's also conversations that we have in the group from time to time where people don't want it to be any more than what it is now you know as far as the numbers in the group because they love that contact they love that ability for us all to sort of know each other essentially Um, but you know, the big picture is the more guys I know that we can get inside of our community, the more we can, um, we can help them and create more connection across the country, which is only going to be helpful for, for us, helpful for families, helpful for the, uh, the local communities, wherever they're from. And, and I think that's a really big, a big thing for us this year is to, is to continue to do that and, and support as many people as we can, but still keep that integrity and still keep everything really strong. Um. And so, yeah, stoked that you're a part of it, mate. It's um, it's an honour, and I'm humbled to have you as part of our committee, and uh, and and also as part of, part of our community, and doing the work you're doing down in Tassie. Um, and uh, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Um, today, and uh, if you want to leave us with uh, with one thing, one piece of advice for any dads out there that are um, that you want to leave with them, I won't even I won't even sort of give you any sort of lead-in. You give me one bit of advice for a dad out there.
0: Uh, one piece of advice. Uh, I wish you would give me a heads up on that one before we started. Um, don't repeat the sins of your father. To
1: think
0: about it. <laughs> no, don't repeat the sins of your father. Uh, I think it's probably the, um, the one thing I would say. Uh, remember what your father did well. Remember what he didn't do well. Uh, remember what you wanted from your father, and be that guy. Mm, wow,
1: you didn't need time to think about that. That's extremely powerful, <laughs> straight off the bat. Well done. Thanks. That's huge, and um, yeah, I think that's a it's a really it's a really good way to leave people thinking um, after this episode. Um, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm keen to hear from anyone who's listening to this. Uh, leave some comments behind. Let us know what you uh, what you think of those uh, of this episode, and uh, and I'm really excited to hear some of the we'll see some of those comments for sure. Nick, again, appreciate your uh, appreciate your time here today, jumping on, and um, I've learned a lot about you that I didn't know, and I appreciate you sharing. So, um, yeah, thanks, mate, and uh, we'll talk to you again really soon.
0: Thanks, Liam.